Cat and Cloud podcast is sponsored by Steeped Coffee. Steeped Coffee is a new brewing method that combines specialty craft coffee into a single serving bag. You don't need a machine. You don't have to make a mess no matter where you are. All you have to do is add hot water. Each steep pack is individually sealed in nitrogen flush, so it stays fresh, and it's got this special immersion filter. And the filter is ultrasonic sealed, which means it's sealed together with no glue, no staples, so there's no weird stuff floating around in your coffee. Steeped is a benefit B Corp. They ethically source all their coffee. Their packaging is fully compostable, and they believe that business should be done without compromise. You can get your hands on Steeped Coffee at steepedcoffee.com. That's S-T-E-E-P-E-D coffee.com. Asking your local retail stores to start carrying Steeped or having your favorite roaster reach out and get in touch. If you happen to be in Santa Cruz, come on by any of the Cat and Cloud locations. We have it there for you. Basically, they're just doing their best to change the coffee industry and make your life more convenient with their pre-portioned, pre-ground innovation. So tell all your friends. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. It's, uh, what, what day is it? What day is it? It's January, July, June. It's gonna, we're gonna go with June 23rd. It's June 23rd. We got a we got a guest here today. Jamie's here with us. We'll introduce Jamie in a second, but for 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 one minute, you have to you have to hear me talk about the first time that I visited your establishment. So, Jamie, you have a coffee. Do you call it a truck or a trailer? Or it's more of a trailer than a truck, right? Trailer, yeah, trailer. Trailer, super beautiful mobile coffee trailer in my hometown of Modesto, California. And the first time I visited and got coffee from you all, you're in the parking lot on McHenry by the gym, which is by where Mervyn's used to be. If anybody ever remembers what Mervyn's was like in the nineties. Mervyn's. <laughs> and I had, we had one in Santa Cruz. Did they have one in Santa Cruz? Yeah, at the Capitol Mall. Oh, sh- you bet. oh shit, Mervin. So shittiest mall in the world. It was it was kind of wild because I was I got espresso and I was drinking espresso in the parking lot, but outside of that Mervin's, there's all these little ledges around that whole shopping center, and we used to skate in that parking lot every day from the time I was in junior high till about after high school. And then I hadn't been back there since I moved away. So it was kind of a trip to drink really good coffee in a parking lot where I basically spent most of my childhood. So thank you for an amazing experience that blended two things that I really love. That's so cool. <laughs> so Aww. And then I guess I'm, I'm just so I'm so curious. So like, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like who like who are you? What's going on here? Yeah, so I at that same gym, I worked there for about seven years um, on leadership there, just helping to grow and develop the team. And um, I also trained classes and did fitness and health coaching for a long time. Um, and then after a while, I just started feeling like that just wasn't the right fit for me, that I have kind of done all I could do there um, and their business was thriving and doing great. And so I decided to step out of my leadership role at the gym um, and didn't really know what I was stepping into. I didn't have a plan. There wasn't anything that I was going into. Um, Coffee, I've always loved coffee. I worked at Starbucks for a short period of time years and years ago, um, but never thought I would be in coffee. So there was no plans as I left my job at the gym. There was no plans to do anything else. 
And then just as I had all this free time and thinking through like, what would I do if I could do anything? And the thought of mobile coffee just popped into my head. And I was like, dude, like Modesto doesn't have a ton of coffee. We do have a couple of really great shops, but we don't have a ton of coffee and there's not a lot to bring this community together. And so that's kind of how that all started. I just wanted to do something fun for our community and just bring something cool. And then where, how did you, how did you come up with a name? Culture Coffee Bar. It came from this idea of wanting to really cultivate a culture of community in Modesto. And so the word culture wasn't necessarily um, to represent like being cultured. It's more of just the culture that I wanted to establish in Modesto because a lot of people look at Modesto and you grew up here. So um, a lot of people look at Modesto as being a shithole and I didn't want it to be that anymore. And I really wanted to just create something that could hold this culture of community. And so when I thought through it, that was the only word that popped into my head and it just kind of, it just kind of went from there. Did you, did you grow up in Modesto as well? I did. Yeah. I've lived in Modesto my whole life. Yeah. It's a people, you know, I'll tell people where I'm from and they're like, Oh, but there's really amazing people that live there. Just like I imagine there's really amazing people anywhere. There's, there's different pockets of, of like different communities that have these really awesome things going on. So while there are parts of it that are gnarly and weird, there's, I always felt like it could handle more magic than people gave it credit for. For sure. And that's what, I mean, that's what we see in the community of Modesto and what we've been doing the last couple of years is just being able to see Modesto for the good that's there and for the people that are passionate about the community and want to make it better. And sometimes those people are overshadowed by, you know, gangs and drugs and people that want to talk crap about Modesto, but it's really cool to see the people that are truly passionate about our community and making things better. Did, did you remember, did you ever go to graffiti night like back in the day? Yeah. When it was really, really popping. Do you know yeah. what this is? Tell me what that is. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to ask you if you know what that is. So, you know, the movie American graffiti. I know the name. I don't know the movie. It is like one of George Lucas's first movies, maybe his first movie. And jo- cool. George Lucas grew up in Modesto as well. So it's like, uh, or wait, am I? do I have the movies mixed up or am I right? Am I on the right, right track? I'm on the right know. track. Okay. Yeah, I, watched, okay. <laughs> I watched a bunch of movies. Like It's like a coming of age movie, but he grew up in Modesto. So it kind of chronicles like it's like a one night at the end of high school kind of movie and it's you know it focuses around like all the cool stuff that like you know dudes falling in love with a girl people moving away fast cars cool cool shit that goes along with high school so kind of in celebration of that movie which is not actually really filmed in modesto for the most part but is set in modesto um they had graffiti night. So the main, or I don't even know if it really still is, but McHenry used to be the main drag. And once a year they would have graffiti night where everybody brought out like all kinds of old classic cars, really cool stuff. And people would just kind of cruise the strip. There'd be people like all over the sidewalk, just chilling. It was like a big kind of like, it was just a big party celebrating car culture and, and Valley life. And my dad has, a. Uh, a wood shop and it's on the corner of McHenry and this little street Drake, like next to downtown. So we used to sit out there and watch everything happen. But then over the years, like it just started getting really, really rowdy. Like 
people were getting unruly. So it just became like a common place where people were getting stabbed or shot and like doing, you know, nasty stuff sexually. It was very, it, it, it turned into some weird stuff. So they shut it down. <laughs> but yeah. But it used to be kind of rad. It was, it was cool. Yeah. If you were into old cars and just having a good time, it was like really rad. It wasn't designed to be a ruckus, but it turned into a strange ruckus. How does the movie portray it? Was the movie like pre or post ruckus? Have you ever seen um, Dazed and Confused? No. Oh, man. I mean, the movie. <laughs> I know. I'm bad. No. I'm a bad movie person. I mean, these aren't like, I, I think they're rad movies, but the movie's really just a coming of age movie. So it kind of chronicles people at their, their last like night in town like last day of high school like 16 candles and breakfast club yeah 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 it's it's kind of one of those kind of flicks where people are like discovering who they are like really embracing their own truth and like it's just set in that um in that era i think it's set in like 1962 or something Mm. anyway modesto you know we're keeping it so real out there (laughs) dude totally i have some questions um so jamie so you kind of told us you your path into coffee was it sounds like it was like pretty I don't know just kind of like all of a sudden you're like cool I did Starbucks for a little bit I really like coffee and I want to create more community so mobile coffee I had no idea <laughs> like, what you're I was just doing like... when I started <laughs> yeah so um so you built your trailer like custom so how did you go about doing that? Yeah, so we found a guy in Arkansas that did custom builds for food trucks. He did tiny homes. Uh, we had a really hard time finding someone who would redo a vintage camper. And so that was the only person we could find at the time was someone in Arkansas. So connected Damn. with him and just kind of worked out the details of what we wanted. And he found a beat up old camper and just basically going back and forth and designed it over the phone via pictures and like time and just design this trailer but we hadn't seen it um as it was being built so um yes we had him build it out for us and and went from there so it took about six months for it to be completed and my family drove out there took a little road trip and picked it up yeah yeah how exciting like it was just like we're gonna get our trailer that's so crazy how long did it take to get there and get back um it took us probably well it took about four days because we stopped. I have a 13 year old and a nine year old. So it was a fun road trip across country. So we stopped at the Grand Canyon and kind of saw all the things. So it took about four days. Yeah. There, and then about three days back, we were having panic attacks the whole way back trying to tow this trailer because. Oh my God. Never driven a trailer. Before. It was really low. Well, my husband drove it luckily, okay. um, but it was like this high from the ground. You guys can't see, but like three inches off the ground, super low, really hard to tow. And yeah, coming through the mountains and across country with a 50-year-old camper with all of this precious equipment and stuff in it was a little nerve-wracking. Oh, <laughs> wow. So, like, all the, like, yeah, all, like, the espresso equipment everything was already built. Yeah, everything was. Like the dude hooked it up. Everything was in there, so. <laughs> wow. Did he, That's, did they yes. procure all the equipment there, or did you have it just shipped there for him to put in? Alex hooked it up with the equipment, and we just had it shipped directly to the guy in Arkansas, and he installed it all and put it all in. What are you running Dude. for? This is kind of a dorky question, yeah. but what are you running for for power and water? How does that work? 
So we have a 7,000 watt Honda generator. So we use that for power. It works pretty well. I mean, when the equipment's heating up, obviously, like we can only heat up one large equipment at a time. Um, so we use that to run power. As far as water, I actually have a whole filtration system installed <laughs> at my house. And so um, it has like a reverse osmosis filter with a calcite filter, everything to get the water right you know, where it needs to be. And so we have that installed. And so we just, we have a hose, kind of like an, like an RV hose, something that's made for drinking water that we use to fill the trailer every day. How big is the tank in the trailer? So it's 30 gallons of fresh water. And then we have a 45 gallon dirty water tank. So it lasts cool. us a few hours. <laughs> oh, did you have to empty it out like during service? Not usually. No, okay. we don't ever have to empty it, but sometimes we have to fill the water to have more because we're serving a lot of people from a tiny little camper. What? So what do you do when you run out of water? And then like, do you have to like run home? And yeah, get so more? Like- that's where my gym experience comes in handy. I have five gallon buckets of water. I usually keep water in the truck and like a five gallon you know, water jug. And so we have to take it from there and put it in another jug that has like a spigot on it. And I have to bring it up to my shoulder and let the water go through the hose down into the the tank. So it sucks. It's not fun, but we try to avoid doing that. The girls are really good about being cautious when using water. (laughs) How often are you popping up? Like how, how many days a week is the trailer active? So right now we're at three days a week. Um, Prior to the pandemic, we were going six days a week. And so coming out of that, we've cut it down to three days a week because we're just so busy on those three days that trying to prep and get everything ready, it just, it takes all the extra time that we have. When when you were first setting this up and you first had this idea, like, oh, this is going to be a thing. Were you looking at it as a hobby or replacing your income or somewhere in between like what what did you want the trailer to be yeah you know I really I've being involved in helping run the gym I was really familiar with um running business and the struggles that came with that um but also the importance of if you're going to invest all this money you need to be running a business not having a hobby so there was always the idea of it being a successful thriving business but I also wanted to just have fun with it. I didn't want all of the pressure of having to bring in a certain amount of money. Um, I just really wanted to serve the community. And thankfully, like my husband has a full-time job that, you know, through the pandemic has stayed intact. And so I didn't have to really stress about bringing in the income. It was more about like the importance to me was the business paying for itself. Um, We didn't want to invest anything financially into it. We wanted it to sustain itself. And so Um, that's been the goal from the beginning is just allowing it to sustain itself. And if it doesn't, you know, obviously there'd have to be a point where we couldn't do it anymore. Can I ask a question? Um, how did you like get your team together? Like, how did you go about finding your team? Yeah, I really just asked people that were closest to me. My first couple employees were, um, going back. Let me, let me start over. Um, when we first had this idea, the trailer wasn't something that we were thinking we would even be able to do. We just started as selling cold brew outside the gym. We just set up a little table and made some cold brew and sold that and sold, you know, protein shakes with cold brew. So I was doing that completely myself um, in the beginning before the trailer was a thing. And um, as we decided to start building the trailer, um, close friends of mine would talk with me about it and say, like, how can I get involved? How can I help? And so it was literally just 
friends helping me in the beginning yeah. uh, because I didn't know how to hire people. I didn't know how to do payroll. Um, I didn't know how to do any of that. And so um, it's kind of been a learning process of bringing people on and hiring. And now, you know, I have five employees and they're all wonderful and I know how to do all of that now. So it's been, it's been cool to, to build that team, but really it just started with people close to me that wanted to help. Yeah. And how did you learn how to do like payroll and all that paperwork? <laughs> I have a great friend who is in accounting she works for an accounting firm. And so she was the one who helped me set everything up. And we, we use a super simple system that's it's just like a plug and go where I just can plug in hours and it files all the documents and stuff for me so it makes it super easy so it's really just been asking a lot of questions and I'm not afraid to ask questions when I don't know the answer and doing things with what to do that doesn't really scare me so just yeah so just for just for people listening who like might want to start like a a business of their own what is the um the program that you use for for payroll Presto? Gusto. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Gusto. All right, cool. That's awesome. Sick. And your staff is all women. It just kind of like shook out that way. Yeah, it's just, you know, we look for people that line up with, you know, the vision for culture and what we're trying to do in the community. And the people we found so far have been women. We have had um, men on the team before, too, that, you know, were sort of a temporary um, fill that we ended up not needing, you know, the additional staffing. But Right now, my team is all women, and they all are going the same direction and believing in, you know, the vision we have for our community, and so it's been really cool to have them. Can you, like, articulate what that vision is? Like, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, we really want to be a bright light in the community of Modesto and just offer something that is really cool and fun, Um, but ultimately, like, our mission is to make people feel seen and loved and cared for and you know, I feel like doing coffee is a great way to do that because they come every day, you see the same people, um, you get to know them and, you know, just being like transparent and authentic with people and asking them not just, oh, how's your day going in a generic way, but really asking those tough questions and getting to know people and, and just truly seeing them, we think is the most important thing in our business. That's awesome. Absolutely. That's sick. Um, and then Alex was mentioning that you like brought your team to some sort of workshop, leadership workshop. Yeah. So we've done a couple of things. Um, but the, the most recent was I brought, um, one of the girls on my team to Nashville for a business conference. So it was super cool. It's like Dave Ramsey's squad of people. Um, they all host these different little conferences. And so, um, we went to a women in business conference and, I just felt like it was super important to get her perspective on the business and not just mine. I mean, it's one thing for me to go and learn from these incredible people, but to have someone who is 10 years younger than me with a different perspective on life to bring her and see what she sees and picks out of it. It was, it was so worth taking her on that trip and just like in her personal life too, like seeing growth in her and things that she learned for herself there too is really cool. And that's not, it's not my idea. It's not something I came up with. When I worked in the gym, that was something that was always done. It was just the culture there of like, we're going to pay for you to do these workshops and learn about leadership and, you know, reading and podcasts and all the things like it was very much just this culture of like growing leaders. And so it's something that I, you know, was brought up in business 
um, with that. And so just being able to, to do that with my team is, is really cool. Oh my gosh. I have so many questions. <laughs> so, so at the gym, like, do you, okay. Who was your leader? Like a, like a female that was encouraging you at the gym or was it like how, what was that like? Yeah, so it's a husband and wife team. Um, originally, it was just um, the wife that ran the business. And then the husband got involved later and, and got on board. And so it was both of them together. Um, and so we had a, a leadership group of about six of us um, who were just involved in making all the decisions for the business, um, defining you know the mission and the goals for the next years. And so it was an encouragement as a group. Um, to participate in all of these things. And it was, I mean, made a, re- a requirement, essentially, like, if you want to be in leadership in this organization, and, you know, continue to grow, these are the things that I want you to do, even if it's uncomfortable, we want you to go to conferences and learn, we want you to read this number of books and listen to this number of podcasts, like, it was just always encouraged to grow ourselves and learn and that in turn benefit, you know, benefited the business and the decisions we were making there. Does that make sense? It's, yeah, it's like, it's really beautiful how you experience that in a workplace. And like now you're passing that on to your, like when you're the owner of your business and who knows what she'll do. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that's on. the only way I've been able to do um, what I've been able to do is because of what was poured into me. I know jobs before the job at the gym, like I was passed on for every promotion, like you know, never got the jobs that I wanted, was just turned down for everything, was never told that I was good enough. And so to be able to, you know, be on leadership in this amazing, you know, pillar in our community and this organization that was doing great things and to be told that I was worth something and that I could do more like that has really just fueled what I've been able to do with culture. I would not be doing what I'm doing now if it weren't for being poured into in all those ways. So for me, it's taking that and how can I pour that into my team? And even if they don't work with me forever, hopefully they don't. I mean, I love them, but hopefully they see what is next for them and, you know, can grow and learn and be inspired to go do their own things and, and kind of have an impact on their world. So I really see it as this spreading of these people, these leaders had an impact on me. I'm going to have an impact on my team and then my team will have an impact in their lives and it just spreads from there that's dope. that was a lot and the other thing <laughs> yeah no I'm like I'm all about it and the other thing that popped to my mind when you're talking is just like how neat it is that like twofold benefit of you know your team member comes to this conference with you and she not only grows in her like own personal life but she also is like an like more even more of an asset to your team and like offering new perspective like do you have any examples that come to mind of like some I don't know some perspective that came about from that conference that was really useful coming from her man it's all good yeah I know that's putting you on the spot (laughs) a lot has happened in the last six months since that conference (laughs) oh yeah for sure all of the things yeah um, it's really more as just like just the conversations that were had while we were there, like just getting deeper into conversation, getting to know each other on a deeper level and just dreaming. I think um, having someone to talk through, like, what's our next step? Like, 
what other offerings can, you know, can we do? Um, I think that was the most valuable out of all of it is being able to step out of the business and just have these conversations without the pressure of having to make a decision right away or anything like that. Just yeah. Like to bounce ideas back and forth and make sure that the idea that I have isn't way off par because I realized that as a leader, like, yes, I may own culture, but I don't always make the right decisions. I don't know everything. And so being able to bounce ideas off of her and say, like, am I on the right track? Do you see this, you know, going well and those sort of things. That's super awesome. That's really helpful. It's awesome to have somebody who's energized about the same things you are like in your business to be able to bounce things off of. I don't know. I've noticed like just recently I started working with Samantha, who's been helping me with a lot of stuff in marketing and just even like having her with me going through a day, like I might be training her, but we're also like coming up with tons of cool ideas together. And, you know, it's just, it's really rad to have like a buddy. I feel like it makes things easier to get out of your own head and just be able to talk about things and not have all the pressure on you. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. So obviously things have changed a lot in the last few months. And if you would be down to just kind of like walk us through like the culture coffee bar kind of experience because it's been such like a I don't know touch and go or just like figuring out how to react in real time and like how like at the beginning of COVID kind of just like what did you do from like the beginning to where you are now and why yeah so we shut down March 18th I remember the stress of like we could stay open everything was saying we were technically an essential business Um, But I just didn't feel right. Uh, We bring the community together. And Chris, when you've been there, like there's groups of people hanging out outside the trailer. And it's just one of those things you can't avoid. And so um, I was tired of not sleeping over it. And so we decided to shut down March 18th. Um, And I took a couple of weeks, honestly, like it felt really good to just shut everything off. Um, It had been so much just listening to the news, like super closely to see, you know, when you run a business, I feel like it's a whole different level of pressure of figuring out what to do and wanting to do the right thing, but not overreact at the same time. And so I just shut the news off. Um, My kids, you know, were out of school at the time. So just trying to, you know, take that couple weeks to just wallow and do nothing. Um, And so for the first couple weeks, that's what we did. And then just decided like, okay, we don't have, you know, a huge amount of money. Like we're not, you know, this large corporation that has, you know, huge amounts of money just hanging out to support the business while we were closed. And so I started to realize that this was going to be a long-term thing and we needed to do something and still serve our community. The people that got coffee from us, like they all still wanted coffee and wanted to support us. Um, and so we just came up with the idea to start delivering cold brew. My team, you know, wanted to work and we figured out a way to do it. And so we started delivering like 500 cold brews a week, um, just doing two days a week to our community. And, you know, that was able to sustain the business, you know, through the shutdown. Um, and so, yeah, being able to pivot, I think was, was really important. Um, it also helped me realize a whole host of other things about, you know, how well we did just delivering cold brew, like, okay, I don't need to go back to working, you know, six days a week when we can sustain our business, you know, just being a little bit smarter about how we work on the days that we are working. 
Um, and so, yeah, we continued to do that until the farmer's market allowed us to, to go back there. And, um, you know, that was because we reached out to them and said, hey, if we make all of these changes, if we're willing to comply with everything, you know, you guys want, can we come back? And at the time, they weren't allowing any food vendors back. It was really just produce um, and soap and all that. They were being really cautious. And so for us to get permission to go back was was really cool. Um, and then just realizing when we got back how busy it was and how much our community was coming to support us was really cool. And so, yeah, that's where we're at now is out serving a few days a week. And it's been really fun. Cool. So you're still delivering cold brew? We're not. We discontinued that when we started back up. I just, I cannot handle all the things. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. Really? 500 a week is is a lot. I was up at 5 a.m. getting the deliveries ready for the girls to take out and organizing, you know, the route and all of that. It was just, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, totally. Cool. So there, the farmer's market's a once a week thing. And then I think the last time I was in town, there was you were at a, maybe it was a first Friday or a downtown something. What do, what do events look like in, in Modesto? How, like what are places that the community shows up that you can engage with people? Yeah. So now that looks a lot different than it did, you know, six months ago, but um, right now the farmer's market's twice a week. Um, and then we go to the gym one day a week. And so that's, that's where we're at prior to the pandemic. I mean, we were, serving at the night market, which was really cool. Um, we would do a lot of local like sporting events, marathons, um, go to like local businesses who wanted to draw attention to their business. We would park there. Um, we would do like employee appreciation sort of things. We go to school jogathons, like all, all of the things. <laughs> so whenever there was an opportunity, we were saying yes to that. How, how are people booking you? Did you charge them a rate to be there or is it just you show up and take advantage of the space? How does that work? Yeah, it depends. Everything is structured really differently. And so um, some places charge you to be there and then others are just happy you're there. So, um, I mean, our calendar, thankfully, like we were booking up really quickly. And so it gave me the ability to be a little pickier about what we said yes to. Um, and we're obviously not going to say yes to an event that charges 1500 a weekend for us to be there when we can go somewhere else for free. And so, yeah, it's really like determined event by event, but like weddings and stuff, obviously we had packages that we would put out that they could book us for a certain amount and, and stuff like that. But Generally, we just we like events where we can show up and and just hang out with people. How can you tell if you've had a good day at work when you're done packing up the trailer for the day? What are <laughs> what are the what are the metrics of success in your mind? Man, when I'm exhausted, which is every day, <laughs> uh, I just think like my team and I we have a lot of fun. And it's really cool when you look back on the day and you realize like I haven't even made it out to the farmer's market to walk around and like, you know, when you're just in that trailer and you can't get out because it's so busy, um, that is just, that's a good day. And obviously, you know, like I'm not naive to the like financial things, obviously, like there are wins on that front. And so monitoring that, like, obviously when we're up at, you know, each consecutive event, we're up, you know, little by little, that always feels really good. Um, but yeah, not being able to leave the trailer is exhausting, but it just feels really good to know that we served our community well and it's for five hours. We're not in there for like eight and not leaving. It's not an unhealthy thing necessarily. It's just, you know, we're just so busy moving that we don't even think about the time. 
What does setup and breakdown look like? Because events are so scary to me, and it seems like it's almost a never-ending event. Dude, it's a lot. And that's, you know, been something coming back from the pandemic that has been a struggle after I enjoyed months and months of, like, chilling at home. Um, It's a lot. So in the morning, I mean, I'm up at 4.30 in the morning, um, even though the market doesn't start till 8. I'm up. um, I have to load up the ice chest with milks and, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pounds of ice um, and then hitch the trailer. Obviously, in between there, there's, like, we house make a lot of our syrups. So, making sure those are all prepped, um, the shopping to prep, like there's a lot of prep on the back end, but, um, in the mornings I'm getting up, pitching the trailer, taking it out, you know, to the market, we have to unload the generator, which weighs like 350 pounds. Um, so getting that, you know, off and on the truck, um, and just getting set up from there. Once, once we have the trailer parked and it's in place, it's pretty, it's pretty easy. Like we're in a routine of, you know, brewing coffee, getting espresso dialed in, um, getting the team their jobs for the day, all of those things. And so it's really like the back end prep work is is the most difficult part. And and yeah, we're we're working on um kind of moving out of mobile eventually because it's just it's not a long term it's not a long term thing. I can't do this for the next five years. It's a lot. <laughs> when you're like moving the trailer, like dialing an espresso, what, do you think that it like kind of knocks it pretty far off from where it was left when you like drive around sometimes it does sometimes we're fine I mean it's usually just small adjustments it's not a huge thing everything's like bolted down to the counter and I drive pretty slow so gotcha. um, it's usually I mean I don't think any more than a normal cafe <laughs> got you oh yeah uh speak to this coffee geek question for for a minute there is a a whole group of people that is like you, it's so hard to dial in outside or out in the open air. Is is that an issue for, for you? or? <laughs> yeah, like opening and closing the window. All the things that I didn't realize until we had, there's another local coffee shop and one of the managers there was able to train our team when we started. And it blew my mind when she come, came in and said, yeah, if it's raining or if it's hot, like everything's going to change. And I didn't realize that that was a thing. Um, but yes, like there is, I mean, just from like opening the windows and the door, um, and shutting it again, like just those little changes will make a difference in how the shots are pulling and, and all that. So we, we try and dial in as often as we can, but it is a little bit of a struggle, but I imagine it's like that in any cafe. Like, I feel like you're not completely closed off to the world. So it's going to, it's going to be like that. Yeah. I feel like one of, that's one of those things that's definitely real, but is people make it seem worse than it actually is like people will make it seem like it's it's fucking impossible or something well i feel like it's made us better at like when you have to struggle to dial it in i feel like it almost make like you have to go through those really hard things and so um then when we're put in a situation where maybe we're not outside like i would hope that we're better at getting it getting it dialed in quicker because we've experienced the craziness of doing it outside <laughs> What what would you look for in a in a brick and mortar space? You say in eventually you'll have the transition from mobile. What what do you hope a cafe to be? Yeah, we I just want a space where we can bring people together and support like my dream is to support other local small businesses too. So being able to bring in, you know, different artisans, uh different bakers, all of that like just being able to have a space that brings people together that people feel like it's their home. And, you know, I feel like the vibe of a coffee shop um, can be a difficult thing. And I've definitely been in coffee shops where the vibe is, 
Um, not necessarily about the community, but it's about them and their knowledge and their nerdiness and, you know, all of that, which I'm sure you guys have experienced too. There's definitely a different vibe when you go into something like that than when you go into a place where someone genuinely, genuinely sees you and, you know, love you. It sounds super like I realize cheesy and generic, no, but I just want to people can come hang out and feel like they're at home and, like just chill all day and support other local businesses. I mean, I would love to have some sort of space similar to like Abbott Square where you're having all of these community, well, Abbott Square I think is a little different. I don't think they're all local businesses, but um, in Modesto, translating that into these local small businesses coming together to build something for our community that people look forward to coming to. And so that's what I would, I would love to have. What? What would you look for in terms of, so in a place like Modesto, which is probably not too different than a lot of other, um, you know, it's, you got this really big suburban sprawl. People have a very love or hate relationship with downtown. It seems like, um, are, you know, where, where do you, where do you set up shop? Like what's your prime neighborhood? I know that's like a really vague question for everybody who doesn't know it, but I think there's a ton of people out there who are trying to figure out how do I bring like really awesome experiences to the quote unquote, you know, small town, even though Modesto is way bigger than Santa Cruz, um, <laughs> uh, America, like what, what are some tips you might have or ideas? Oh man. I know for us, like it's, there's a fine line between being downtown and being in a really bad part of town. And so I love the idea of being on the outskirts of downtown, like bringing something cool to an area that is maybe not as trendy and developed as the downtown area is. Um, so you're familiar with um, like Needham where camp four is, um, which is another really cool restaurant that just like, they're just dope for our community. So being able to be like in that area where you have a lot of, drug use and a lot of homeless and like just, you know, there's just a diverse uh, group of people that hang out in that area. And so being able to like be a pillar in a space that doesn't necessarily have the greatest reputation is something that, that we want to be a part of doing. And that's not to say we won't end up in the middle of downtown. I don't know. I mean, who knows what will present itself and be available, but like my goal would be to be somewhere on the outskirts of downtown or in a, just in a different part of town that can bring, bring something new and fresh and vibrant to an area that may be, you know, run down or just not cared for. Right. And then all the other specialty coffees right in the middle of downtown too, basically you've got preservation and then heart and souls right around the corner. Is there anything else? That's, that's pretty much it. There's a couple, there's Queen Bean, um, which right. is actually not far from Needham. Um, but yeah, there's, there's not a lot of coffee. I mean, compared, compared to, you know, Santa Cruz where you go and there's a ton of coffee shops, I feel like, or multiple options here. There's not a lot of, there's just not a lot of options. How would it feel to open up, um, completely outside of downtown, like in a neighborhood? How, what what is your gut reaction to that idea? Um, it would be amazing. We actually, I mean, where we serve at the gym is in the middle of a neighborhood. And it's actually my neighborhood, which is, it's really, it feels really good to be there. And that's where our, a lot of our community is. Um, so totally not against it. I feel like it would need to be strategic in the place that it was. And 
um, what's around it. Um, but yeah, totally like would be stoked on that. I don't even like, I'm going into this with a completely open mind. Um, I'm not dead set on it being a certain way. It's what's really important to me is what is inside the coffee shop. Like what we build in there is what's important, not necessarily the location or, you know, what it looks like or what area it's in. It's really about what we can build inside of it. And so I feel like we could go anywhere and still build something really cool. So it all makes me excited. I kind of have a question about um, what you're saying with opening a shop and maybe a less nice part of town versus downtown. Like your mobile like trailer, you you pop up kind of all around, right? Like you're not necessarily mm-hmm. in the right in the same spot. Like, do you have like I don't know, because I'm sure the experience differs from place to place. Like, do you do some of the places you pop up contrast in that way of being like a nicer part of town versus a worse part of town? And like, how does that affect the experience, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're more involved in the community event type of things. And so I feel like it's not I don't know, it, it doesn't really matter what area you're in necessarily when the event is something that's pre-planned like whether we're at a marathon or at the farmer's market like some of them may not be in as great of areas but it's the event that that brings the people um I mean at the gym like it's a almost it's like a half empty shopping center so there's just the gym and then Hobby Lobby which used to be Mervyn's um there's like a little shoe store and a, a framery shop but essentially that shopping center is half empty and there's you know again drug use homeless like there's all this stuff that happens there um but we we still do well there we've never had you know any any issues outside of just the usual things so I don't notice a huge difference depending on where we're at I feel like that doesn't make any sense sorry well no it's cool I guess I was thinking less in terms of like um like your experience and more just like I don't know like I guess the reception of the community and Mm -hmm. like how like how people like react I guess um I think people just get excited to see the cool trailer and they're curious. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. Like like, you know us where we where we go, like most people are familiar with it. Yeah. Do people follow you like to the different places you pop up? Like you'll see the same people at different places. That's that's most of our most of our business is people that are are coming every single day. And that's no matter where you are. Yeah, no matter where we're at, they they will come. <laughs> so you let them know via like Instagram? Uh, Instagram, yeah. And now that we're only working three days a week, like it's a super consistent schedule. And so people know where we're going to be. But it's, it's so a lot cool. of fun to see the same people. It's one of those things when we started culture, like this idea of bringing community together. Um, I was really questioning, can I do this from a mobile trailer? Like when you're in a coffee shop, people come to your coffee shop. But when you're in a trailer and you're moving, like, how do you build a community around that? And so it's been really cool to see it play out and see people connect together and and come just like they would if we were in a brick and mortar. That's been cool. Do you have benchmarks set up as if this, then that in terms of transitioning into brick and mortar? Or is it just going to be like, ah, it's time? Dude, right now we're ready. Like, we feel really ready. It's been, you know, a kind of a matter of getting my husband on board. Um, you know, he doesn't work in the business. He has, you know, a full-time job that, you know, thankfully provides for our family, but doesn't give him the opportunity to really help out in the business. And so um, being able to communicate with him how the business is doing and getting him, you know, fully on board with opening a brick and mortar has been one of the larger obstacles. Um, but now I feel like we're 
we're past that. Um, and also like just speaking on the front of serving coffee in the trailer, like we have maxed out what we can do. I mean, we have people voluntarily waiting 45 minutes for a cup of coffee, but we just cannot physically serve any more people. Like we have just outgrown what we can do from the trailer. And that feels really good. Um, it's also really hard because we want to serve people well. Um, but knowing that we're doing the best, I mean, I have five people generally working in the trailer at a time and they all have their own specific jobs and we are a well-oiled machine, but we have a single group espresso machine. And so we can only do so much. And so we have, we have gotten to that point where, where it's time and looking, you know, year over year, like we're up, you know, over a hundred percent from what we were doing last year. And so seeing that growth, you know, on a, a financial perspective um, has been just, it's been a, t a telling of, of that it's, it's time. And I'm tired of towing yeah. a trailer and lifting a 350 pound generator. And like, it just takes over my house. And like, there's just, there's no space from, from the business. It's like working from home, but also having a coffee shop in one. So it's been a lot. Dude. Yeah. You're a fucking champ. Yeah. Every time I do an event, I'm like, I'm never going to do an event again <laughs> because it's so much work. It really is. It's a ton of work. Like, especially at the end of the day, like I imagine the temptation is there to just like walk away from the trailer without fully breaking everything down. Cause at that point you're really tired. <laughs> Cause I love it. I mean, I'm up at four 30 and by the time I'm done, I mean, Thursdays and Saturdays when we do the market, like I don't sit down with my family till 6 PM. Like I'm working all day long. Um, and so I'm just to the point where I'm, I'm done. And I feel kind of silly when I talk to people about opening a brick and mortar and being tired of how much work I'm doing now, because I fully realize that running a brick and mortar is going to be a lot of work, um, but it's going to be different work. It's not the coffee right. I'm over. It's not serving people that I'm over. It's, it's just the amount of work that goes into doing this on a mobile scale that yeah. I'm, I'm over. <laughs> it'll be, it's not like the amount of work. It's like the, it'll be different challenges right. and that'll be like refreshing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, you could open the cafe in a half an hour. Everything's there. You're like, Oh, the milk is here. The ice is here. Yeah. Everything's here. It's going to be so nice easy for us. I feel like to just store my milks in the same place where we make the coffee yeah. is going to be incredible. There's so many like simple pleasures. You're just having milk like... delivered. I mean, I don't even for real getting crazy <laughs> dude I mean like it's like moving is so exhausting like moving from one house to the next but you're like essentially like moving every day <laughs> yeah. like always moving that's so gnarly I'm I'm pretty curious if you're willing to share like what some of the conversations with your husband were like because I know for for me it's it's so intriguing how, how the couples fit in together. Like my wife's been such a huge supporter of me and all my crazy weird ideas. And I wouldn't be here without her. Uh, so I'm just curious to have someone else's perspective on that. Yeah. So my husband's very much the financially responsible, like practical type of guy. And so it's really great because I'm totally a dreamer and I'm up for a challenge and he's on the full other end of the spectrum. Um, and so it's, it's been good in a way because it keeps me in check. Um, but also I think a lot of the conversations were hard because of the fact that I didn't really open up with him about what was going on. Like I was just running this business kind of on my own without needing any help. He would fix things when they break. 
Um, but other than that, like I was doing just doing everything on my own. And so he didn't really get to see like what was happening on the business front. He just saw that I wasn't taking a paycheck for like the first year. I wasn't getting, you know, any income from this, that I was just working myself into the ground. Like he only saw the bad parts of it. He didn't really get to see the beauty in the community that we were building um, and just all of those things. Like I didn't, I didn't do a great job in sharing that stuff with him. And so the conversations would always start like me asking, Hey, how are you, how are you feeling about this whole brick and mortar thing? And him just saying, I don't know. I just, I just don't think it's a good idea. I just don't want, like he would shut it down every time, which is not, again, like he, that's just how his brain works um, and him not being involved. Like he doesn't see any of it. And so over the last six months, I've been able to open up a lot more and like showing him what the financials look like. I'm finally taking a paycheck, which is amazing. The business is making a profit, like all of these things that I've been able to, to share with him, I think have helped him see, you know, like the benefits of it. And also like, I think it's helped our marriage. This is kind of getting deep, but it's helped our marriage in being more open with each other. Like I've been more willing to have those hard conversations of like him not being comfortable with it, but me just saying like fighting for what I want and um, why I think it's so great. And like why I have the perspective I do, it's been cool to open up those conversations and not just feeling like, you know, how marriage sometimes you can feel shut down. You just feel like, okay, you know, this is never going to happen. He's never going to be on board. And so I'm just going to suck it up and just keep doing what I'm doing. But being willing to have those hard conversations with each other has been, has been really cool. So he's still hesitant and he still struggles with the idea. I mean, mainly of the financial side of it. I mean, it's a big, it's a big commitment. Um, and so that's been for him, I think the struggle with it is, you know, putting the money in and like, you know, it's yes, business debt, but technically it's, it's our debt. And so, um, you know, I think he, he struggles with like not wanting, you know, a lien on our house and, and all of those things. Like he just wants financial security. And so the thought of it, I think freaks him out a little bit, but I think it's good to get uncomfortable. And so encouraging him to get uncomfortable with me is super fun. <laughs> That's dope. Like, it's cool that it's helped your communication. I think it's also really cool that you've been challenged to like be able to articulate why it's like a beneficial idea, you know, because yeah. like, it's true. That makes so much sense that like, if he's just seeing you come home, like dead tired and like, you know, not getting a paycheck, he doesn't see all like the magic that happens like throughout the day and like how you really are like changing your community for the better. Like, of course, he's going to be like, uh, mm, it doesn't seem like this is a great idea. Like, you don't seem psyched, you know, I don't know. Well, it's his just it's brain, cool. His brain works differently than mine, do, than mine does. Like I measure success in the community we've built in the interactions with people in all of that. And for him, like, he looks at success in like, you know, does this make sense on paper? Um, and so me having to get out of my, but it's really great for the community and everybody loves it and everybody supports us and taking it into like, okay, like I need to know what I'm talking about on paper and be able to show that to him of like, like this isn't only going to work because we have, you know, a following and a backing of people who love us. Like it's also going to work because it's working on paper. And so yeah. like getting my stuff together and like actually looking at all of that and, and sharing it with him has been a big, a big thing too. That's cool. I can relate to kind of just the like going by feel as opposed to going by like hard numbers. And that's definitely been really useful being able to like understand how to make arguments like that are 
like financially backed as well. <laughs> well, and I think that's important. Like you need to know both sides of your business and it's super important to like make sure all of that works together. And, you know, like I said, I can be a jumper and just like go, like, I don't care if it scares the crap out of me. I don't care if I don't know how to do it. I'm just going to go do it because I believe that it'll work. And that's not always like the best business decision. So for him to kind of pull me down and anchor me and like, okay, does this make sense? Is it going to work? Like all of that is, mm-hmm. is really good. We need that balance. Yeah. And we need, you need like the jumper person too, though. Like you need that, <laughs> like you need that like pull to kind of get you doing like innovative, really cool things. So yeah, it all works together. Totally. It's pretty inspiring to hear how often you reference community and your excitement around community. I, I think it's, it's cool when people's, you know, mission and values are like really, really intertwined with what they do. And I'm curious is like growing up, what were some of the communities that you felt supported by? Like, where did this love of community come from? Yeah. I mean, obviously like I've played soccer my whole life. So that, you know, you establish community in playing sports. Um, but for me, it's almost the opposite. Like I've always struggled with depression and anxiety. I'm going to get real deep again on you guys. Um, I've always struggled with like just this severe anxiety um, and with depression and, you know, swinging into a hole and out of the hole and not feeling, not feeling seen um, by people, not feeling appreciated or needed or wanted or like that someone was proud of me or loved me. Like all of those things that I never really felt a lot of growing up. Um, and even as an adult, um, until I was kind of taken under the wing of, you know, the leadership in the business that I was working in prior to this. Um, and so for me, it's about like, how can I serve my community in a way that I was not served? Um, and I don't know if that makes any sense. That makes so much freaking sense. I just like, that's why seeing people getting chills, just talking about that's why seeing people is so important. Um, and it, you know, it's one of those cliche things to say, but like, you never know what battle someone's fighting. Like most people wouldn't assume that I suffer from some pretty severe depression at times because I still function. I still do life. I still make things happen, but most people wouldn't see that. But for someone, someone to truly see me and care about me is, it's been, it saved my life in, you know, a lot of very literal ways. And so if I can see somebody um, and truly care about them and see past, you know, the front that they're putting on, like I will, I will ask someone on point really hard questions. Like when they talk about their life or what they're doing that day, like I'm not afraid to like ask the awkward questions or say the awkward thing because I, I want to get real deep, real fast. I want to see who they are and just truly see them. So the passion for community is not about being inspired by being a part of community um, short of, you know, obviously like the gym community and that's been amazing. But um, prior to that growing up, it's not about um, being inspired by community I was involved in. It's about wanting to create something that I didn't have. Hell yeah. Dude, I fully, like I super relate to that. And I think that a lot of what, like, I'm not even really, I wouldn't call myself super passionate about coffee, say like, to be honest, like I think coffee's really cool and I've learned so much about it that I didn't know before and it's so much more complex. And the thing that I love about coffee is like less about kind of like the science and a little bit more about all the people that it like involves. So from like the producers to the people who roast it and then the people who come to drink it or like purchase it or whatever. And 
I think the thing that like I've really identified with Cat and Cloud has been the desire to leave people feeling like seen and happier than we found them. And like that's been like a hundred percent why I've been like happy here. And I think that it really does inform kind of whatever I do in my life is just like I want people to feel like valued and seen um, because I haven't always done that for myself nor have maybe I felt like that way with other people. I don't know, but I just, I really, um, I relate to what you're saying about depression, anxiety, like big time. So that all made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That's such a, that's such a fucking cool story. And I totally relate too. it's, you know, going back to the story when we opened about the Mervyn's parking lot and drinking coffee there, like I, I think one of the reasons those things are so powerful for me is that I never felt like I had a community until I found skateboarding i just felt like a weird awkward dude and guys are already emotionally dysfunctional like we fucking can't talk about our feelings because we're told that it's not cool or not manly or not you know that's not what dudes do at least in the era that you know i grew up in things seem like they're slowly changing but and also i think it's fucking awesome how you're able to articulate what culture means to you. Cause for a lot of people, culture can seem like this, like really buzzwords. Like I'm trying to create culture. I'm like, I got a lifestyle brand. We're culture things. So like knowing what it means to you is, is, is rad. And it's like very, I don't know. I feel inspired just listening to you talk about that. It makes me want to do something rad right now. I don't know what that <laughs> is, but it makes me want to take action. Yeah. I mean, the thing that got me really psyched on you, Jamie, and I already told you this um, in person, but was your video that Alex made with you, like for like how you're approaching COVID at the beginning. And you just like were so candid about how stressful it was because you care so much like about the safety of your community and you want to make the right decisions. Um, And you just opened up about both like how you care about people's safety, but also how like stressful you were really vulnerable and like this isn't been easy for me like this has been really really tough like I've not been sleeping like whatever and I don't know I just immediately knew that you were just like a really real person and that kind of vulnerability like people see that and they feel less alone because like people are afraid to express how they feel so to see somebody else being real about that it's just like really inspiring to me and other people who might be afraid to like say that out loud that well, they're struggling my hope or... is that, like by me telling my story and being open about the struggles and um about all of that stuff like I feel like if that can help somebody feel less alone like even if it's someone that never sets foot um in the trailer or in the cafe you know that will have eventually like if someone never sets foot in that that they can still experience like feeling seen and feeling like they're not alone and they're not the only one you know that's gone through things and so if like me talking about that can help somebody I think that's that's huge and the the weight of not sharing and of wishing I did is so much heavier than the weight of like sweating and being nervous as I'm as I'm talking about it it's a super vulnerable position but I'd rather have the weight of being vulnerable than the weight of wishing I would have said something and not it's also kind of like lonelier to keep it in too. And if you're already feeling lonely, it's it's just like, it's nice to like put yourself out there and then someone relates and like hits you up and they're like, wow, like I really like relate to what you're saying. And then now you're like connecting with people, which is like what we all want to do anyways. So. Absolutely. <laughs>
Like, what is one thing that makes you hopeful for the future? Oh, man. I don't know. All the things. I'm just, I'm kind of a hopeful person in general. (laughs) I'm hopeful, you know, for, like, as we expand our reach, like, being able to, like, have an impact on people, you know, just doing what we're doing on a small scale now. Like, I'm super excited to see what impact we can have as we get bigger and expand. And, like, I just, I, I'm hopeful that, like, more businesses and more people will do things that scare them because they've watched us do things that scare us. And dude, I'm just hopeful for, I'm just hopeful for all of it. Like, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive as someone who, you know, struggles with mental illness. But um, I feel like if I'm not eternally hopeful, then I would not be here. (laughs) Absolutely. I feel like kind of piggybacking off that, I feel as though I'm just seeing like, especially in a time like this, like change starting like super small and super local is really powerful. And if like, there's just this like, if you do something that scares you like, and it works, like and people see that and they like didn't think it was possible and they're like oh that worked like maybe we could do that too it's just like this waterfall effect in communities be it like political or legislative or like something that like we've never tried before but once there's one successful example it gives people the confidence to like you know piggyback and I don't know and and just like what you were saying about you were inspired by like leaders who and like poured into you and like you're doing the same like in your team and just the way that that can like spread and make a lot of like positive change in people's lives like I I don't know I'm really hopeful about that legacy as well yeah I think it's super important to like something I've always done is like when people reach out to me and say hey I want to do this really scary thing like can you answer questions like my answer is always a yes um even if I don't have you know, a ton of time, like, I'm always willing to help, like, even if it's someone in my local community opening a coffee shop, which there are people that are moving forward on things. And like, I will be their number one cheerleader, like, I will, I will help you. Um, if you want to open a mobile coffee trailer, like, I am always willing to answer any questions. And like, I think that that's what's needed. Like, when you can see an example of someone doing something scary that has been successful, and you can reach out to that person, and they can give you even if it's just like a tidbit of like, this is something that I learned or something that helped, helped me like that only makes the community and the world better because you're not having to learn all these things on your own. Like you get to have, you know, some sort of a a heads up. And I think if we all had a little heads up, it would be, it'd be better. (laughs) Super dope. Dude, that's so rad. All right. Anything on your end, Chris, any final sign outs? No, I just feel, no, I've, I've, no, I don't, I got nothing. I want to say something cool, but I don't have anything cooler to say than what you already said, Jamie. So you you said all the cool stuff already. Oh. <laughs> Dude, Jamie, here with all the cool stuff. Anyway, oh you make you make me hopeful. I'm so grateful to have met you. Take care, and we'll see you on the flip side. You know what I'm saying? Hey. Yeah, check out oh. check out Jamie's stuff. We'll put everything down low, right? There'll be like Instagram links and fun. Oh stuff. yeah, we're gonna put it all, all there. All the fun shit. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Drive to Modesto. Might as Dude, well. Honestly, hearing you talk about like the coffee shops in Modesto, I'm like, got this urge to do a coffee crawl in Modesto. Like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Go say what's, hi- what's up to Dude. Jamie. Dude. Oh, yeah. I got to send my mom um, your your schedule because I don't think she's ever been, but she's all 
stressed out about everything and you know doesn't want to go inside anywhere so the trailer is probably going to be could be great for her yeah yeah it's gonna happen mom okay perfect (laughs) all right y'all well wishing you both a wonderful day and all the people out in the ethers wishing you all a wonderful day as well and yeah catch you later hell yeah all right bye bye guys